Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Welcome to the latest episode of the Race IndyCar podcast. Coming up this week, rookie sensation David Lucas joins us. But before that, of course, I have to head over to my co-host who was recently referred to as my podcast husband, JR Hildebrand. How are you doing, JR? I'm good, man. <laughs> I wasn't sure how I felt about that. Yeah, uh, you, you totally ignored it on the podcast and it just made just, it a bit I was awkward. like, yeah, well, he kept he kept just cranking through it. I was going to have to I was going to have to break in. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna let that slide." For I'm now. glad you. I'm glad you let him live because he got married at the weekend. And I, 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 <laughs> I did saw dis- that. I did discuss it. I did discuss it. Congrats, but- Scott, if you're listening. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, you need to head over and listen to the Race F1 podcast episode, which is titled "Our Verdict on Who Could Switch from IndyCar to F1," where JR Hildebrand joined them, being Ed Straw and Scott Mitchell, to talk about the likes of Alex Pelot, Pato Ward, Colson Herter, et cetera, on their chances of making it to Formula One. Elsewhere, JR, we need to do some more housekeeping because you drove some really cool swear word stuff at the weekend that you need to tell me about because that's awesome. Yeah, I drove a uh, 1973 Ferrari uh, 365 GTP4 Daytona Competizione, um, which was, yeah, a real treat at the Monterey, what is it called now? The Rolex Monterey Motorsport Reunion, formerly the Monterey Historics. Um, I mean, it's it's cool. It's actually cool. The car was obviously, you know, driving a, I don't know, five, $10 million Ferrari. Not a bad way to spend a weekend, but uh, it's actually a bit more than that for me. Like I, I grew up going to vintage races. My dad had a vintage race car from when I was like a little, little kid. So he had a 60, the 68 Camaro that was, uh, not actually a Trans Am car, had never raced in a Trans Am race, but was a race car from when it was new. And he got it like, I guess, in the early 90s. And so he and my uncle, his brother, and, you know, then they would lug me along to the racetrack. So my, my sort of introduction into motorsports was going to vintage races. So we, you know, we had season passes at Laguna and Sears Point. So we saw, you know, cart and, NASCAR and the drag races and, and all the, all the pro stuff and loved all of that, obviously, but vintage racing is kind of a, obviously Goodwood in, in the UK is, is really the, the crown jewel, but in the U S the, this, this event, this weekend during car week at Monterey is, is really the, the sort of biggest one that we have over here. It's all the original cars, you know, so there's no fakes, there's no replicas, um, you know, from, from such a, I think the thing that always stood out to me when I was a kid was just such a variety of what you see, different sights and sounds and all packed together on one weekend. And, you know, in, in, in Europe, there's a bit more of like, like every group that you see out there is full of drivers that are, that are really working the cars. Um, in the U S it's, it's not quite as much like that, but it's a bit more of, 
um, you know, sort of a car show on wheels, but uh, they do occasionally invite some pros like myself out to, to get behind the wheel. And as long as we sort of look after them, they, they like to see the cars get worked over a little bit. So it was fun to get a chance to do that. It was actually the first time because I've, uh, I've often been racing on this weekend. It's the first time I've ever driven at the event, which was kind of a cool, a cool experience after coming to it for like my entire life, basically. And, uh, and then I, I stole my old man's current Trans Am car, which is this, which is this pretty cool Pontiac. It's a, it's a 1964 Pontiac Tempest that raced in the 1971 Trans Am series. So Trans Am, you know, Camaros and Mustangs and Parnelli Jones and Dan Gurney and George Fulmer. And, you know, all of these guys was really, you know, that era was so much the heyday of, of motorsport. So my, it's always kind of been what my dad's been attracted to. And, um, you know, he's got this car, which is a little, a little smoky eunuch esque for anybody who's, you know, kind of, uh, it's inclined. not black and gold though. It's not black and gold. And it wasn't actually looked after by Smokey himself, but I guess the, as the story goes, general motors, uh, shut down their, their factory involvement in motorsports, uh, at the end of 1970. And so there was this group of Pontiac engineers that were kind of like, well, like we've still got budget. Like we could, we could just go racing back when that was the thing that you could do. And, um, but they didn't have a car. And so Herb Adams, who is a sort of legendary Pontiac general motors engineer, uh, headed up this team, this kind of motley crew. And they, uh, took his wife's 64 Pontiac Tempest and turned it into a 1971 spec trans am car. So it's, it's got all the little like trick, you know, cheater, you know, tricks that <laughs> they couldn't do when they were the factory team and, uh, and still has them to this day. Herb is Herb's still around. He's come out to help out with the cars. Someone like the old crew still comes out and hangs around. So, um, I, I managed to convince my dad that I wasn't going to blow it up or crash it into something, um, to compete in the inaugural corkscrew hill climb on, on Sunday at Monterey, which was just an absolute blast. Um, it was funny that I was looking at my, I posted both, I posted videos of both driving the Ferrari and doing the corkscrew hill climb on my Twitter page. And I got like, you know, I've got seven or 10,000 views or something of the Ferrari, but I've got like 20 something of driving backwards up the corkscrew in the, in the Pontiac, um, which is kind of awesome. And, uh, and just a fun time. Like, all the, all the, all the, the thing that's cool about hill climbing is just of any sort is that you get such this wild variety of stuff that shows up. And so, um, for myself and Pat Long and Gunnar Jeanette and, uh, you know, pro the current, you know, points leader in the pro formula D drifting championship was there in his Corvette. Like it was just, a, it was sort of a Mad Max of, of different stuff out there, but, uh, you know, just just a super fun thing to participate in and, and be a part of. So I, I was talking to Dario Franchitti about this briefly over the weekend that like going to the, you know, going to the racetrack is not always like a restorative experience. Like a lot of times you're kind of worked by the end of the weekend, but coming here is, is definitely one of those. So um, I was bummed not to be in gateway, but, but did manage to enjoy myself over the weekend. I imagine any weekend where you get to meet, I guess, and speak to someone like Peter miles, uh, as a, as a, as one example of the cool people who attend that event is, is I can very much understand why that would be a restorative, uh, experience. So we'll file that under one of the random JR <laughs> musings of the season. 
for, for, for the opening of an IndyCar podcast. And I guess we should address last weekend's race. So, um, you know, obviously you were, you were Joseph Newgarden's teammate, you know him well. We've had him on the podcast a few times this season, which has been really cool. And he's, you know, in the middle of this crazy, random, brilliant, inconsistent, wild season where he's managed to win four, five races now, including that one and still isn't leading the championship but um yeah, he seems to have um he seems to still be hitting the spot in in some of these kind of Joseph Newgarden-esque tracks that he rocks up to and tends to 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 be quite Joseph Newgarden about things what did you um what did you make of this performance from Joseph and and how does this you know what kind of situation does this put him in going into the last two races do you think well i guess i think that this one for me was was equally about scott mclaughlin and then ultimately at the end uh, david malukas being able to you know fire it up onto the podium um you know the the this race really changed shortly before the red flag when we got sort of off sequence on tire strategies and that was, it would have been interesting to me to have seen how that last stint would have played out had that not happened, just to understand, just to really know like where were, where was Will Power and Marcus Erickson and, and Scott Dixon kind of in, in a more apples to apples version of competing Pato. Uh, you know, Pato to me was, was another guy that ended up just kind of on the back foot in this whole situation where had he had fresh tires, he was as aggressive as anybody was. Um, the pass that he made on willpower on the restart that preceded new garden and, and McLaughlin and those guys kind of going to the front by being off strategy, I thought wasn't as impressive a move and kind of what we've come to expect from Pato. And it just didn't, didn't end up really yielding him much at, at the end by the time all was said and done. So I think at the end of the day, this is a place that you, you know, we've seen Joseph just do what he needs to do to win this race more than once. And he's put himself in marginal situations, just have it with the confidence and the assertiveness required to make it stick. And when you put him out in front here, he's just going to be hard to beat. And there's, there's no way to get around that. Um, so it was not, to me, it was not a surprise as soon as they got off strategy, I just, I figured he's going to the front and he's, he was going to be the guy to the beat. And, and so that, that at the end, in the end, didn't surprise me, um, in terms of how this all shook out. Um, McLaughlin to me is establishing himself as, you know, looking to next year, I guess, really more than anything is establishing himself to me as a real genuine contender. And he's come to a lot of places that you wouldn't necessarily expect him to, to be sticking it on podiums, being in the top five, you know, I, you'd, I would, I would absolutely still give him the benefit of the doubt of having more learning to do, to be in the positions that he's put himself in. And yet he's gone and executed at an extraordinarily high level, um, completely mistake-free, um, which we're not seeing from even much more seasoned drivers in the series. So that to me was impressive. Uh, if, if it was, you know, a, a little under the radar over the course of the weekend by being outshined a bit by his teammates in qualifying and, and whatever else, just the fact that he's able to keep notching these performances to me was really impressive. Malukas, you know, had the benefit of tires at the end, but still, I think the fact that he got himself into us and he, and we've seen this from him now a few different times, but 
not everybody makes good on that when they're in that situation. And as a rookie to have the confidence, to have the trust of his team, to feel like he can go out there and potentially, you know, he's, I guess he's, he's in like, I don't have a lot to lose mode. Um, but still managing to, to not be just completely, you know, throwing caution to the wind. And so he's been calculated, he's made good decisions. Um, you know, I think that that's, it's, it's, he's shown a degree of maturity here in the second half of the season as he's also found pace and performance that we'll, you know, we'll hear from him here in a minute, but, um, you know, I think that's definitely, he's turned into a quite an exciting prospect, um, as we head in these last couple of races and certainly into next season, however, that ends up looking for him. Um, you know, and, and like I said earlier, I guess to me, I would like Pato in particular, will falls into the same category as just a, a bit of one that got away in terms of not really being on the right side of the strategy. And that as the track improved, really keeping them from being more, more thoroughly in the hunt, which was, I think, unfortunate, like Pato, I think as, as we've gone through the season, Pato has just ended up flying under the radar in terms of, he just hasn't quite been notching the performances, but, but I got, I can't help, but be super impressed by the way that he's been able to stay in the hunt a bit like he did last year, really. I mean, just the, the level of, you know, we, I use maturity, like as if he was immature or something before this, but just the, um, um, how, how just put together he's been and, you know, he's the decision-making process and he's gotten everything that's been available to him, you know, that it, I, I feel bad that he, I feel bad for him that he's not more, more thoroughly in the, in the championship hunt here. You know, he's still in it, obviously going into these last couple, but um, you know, it, there's, it would not be crazy to have like five or six of these guys all within a few points of each other, you know, and, and for, you know, for a few of them, like Pato, it just hasn't quite worked out that way. So, you know, we really got to see the, the guys that are finding their stride towards the end of the year, there do their thing this weekend. And, uh, you know, it makes, it makes these last couple of like, I, you know, who knows what's going to go on these last couple of races. I don't, I don't really look, I don't think that there's a really obvious, um, stand, you know, like, I don't, I don't look at these last two and think, Joseph Newgard is going to go dominate these last two races. I don't, you know, Will Power definitely can assert, reassert himself in these last two events. Scott Dixon for sure can assert himself in these last two events. Pato can do it in these last couple of events. So, um, you know, as close as everybody is, and even though there is a bit of momentum with a couple of guys through the field, um, I think we're, we're in for a really exciting last two events. Let's have a, a cojones on the table moment then who, who 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 does your gut tell you don't, don't think too much about it just who who does your gut tell you is going to win this championship now it's still but it, i'll go first it's still dixon for me but I, i'm I, that that prediction is being attacked by joseph newgard on, on an almost weekly basis at the moment so uh it's going to be close for sure i have a hard time not not feeling like joseph is just going to like will himself to victory here but but like, there's something there's, I have, I have a, a, a small suspicion that Will Power is going to close this out. Well, he's leading the championship. So it's definitely not a, you know, unacceptable prediction at this point. Um, he's three points ahead of Joseph in the 
in the standings. So yeah, and 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 he's found we've spoken about this all year. Whether it's uh, whatever you think it is that Will Power's been able to do this season, he's been able to turn poor qualifying results into wild finishes. And there's been more than more than a few drivers who've said to me that they, you know they've been you know thinking about how you know seeing Will Power in their mirrors and thinking all right, well, even if I have a bad day, at least Will Power's behind me in the chat, like, you know, and yeah. we're fighting for the championship. And then he ends up on the podium and that driver ends up 12th and everyone's like, what, what the hell has just happened? Like, yeah. <laughs> how did that happen? So do you know what? It's point, it's pointing that way. Power's having a, a phenomenal year. That's for sure. New Garden, out of power, New Garden, Dixon, New Garden has got the, the majority of the better stats for the, for the last two races of the season. But I also feel like Joseph really struggled in qualifying at, at Laguna last year and and at Portland. You know, maybe, yeah, and maybe that was symptomatic of you know a bit of a run that they were having in the second half of last season, and that's not going to be something that's going to be you know representative of of this season. But is is you know the inconsistencies this season are still you know going to be a worry? But the fact that he's won the fifth race has really really opened this up for him now, hasn't it? And put him in a you know a pretty phenomenal position. And and I like you think if there's anyone who can basically just will themselves into a into a championship and it's going to be it's going to be Newgarden manifesting that isn't it so so that's interesting I want to touch on Lucas and just kind of tee this up before we before we jump over to him because it's always quite awkward to talk about a driver who's just had a good weekend with them um you know sat in front of you and you know them feeling quite awkward about you know kind of answering uh questions that uh, are obviously positive but it's been a you know it has been an up and down season for him and uh, the, the the word that jumped out to me there when you know you were talking about him taking that 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 right almost to to extract that pace and not fearing the consequences maybe so much um almost like a predatorial thing isn't it and there's been cases this season where he hasn't done that um you know the big one that stands out to me was was barber in qualifying when you know pato pato got the pole and basically said i don't care if he was faster than me he should have backed off like that's that's how we do this in IndyCar. Like you need mm-hmm. to back up and create a gap for yourself. And David was like, you know, I was trying not to hold up the guy behind me. You know, it's it's and you can understand both sides of that argument, but you know, an experienced driver, you say Pato is an experienced driver, but someone who, you know, has been doing this for for a little while now and has been extremely successful, knew exactly what to do in that scenario. And and maybe the rookie didn't. And maybe that, you know, what we saw last weekend was a development of that. But he's just an interesting case because his rookie resume let's say was not fantastic up until basically until um he won the formula region uh, america's championship in 2020 and then was second in indy lights and the thing that made his second in indy lights so impressive in in 2021 was how far he pushed kyle kirkwood into that season and you know legitimately could have won that championship if you know a couple of races had, had gone slightly differently and that was all you know against the backdrop of his his dad being heavily invested in his team and you know, it's just been a, a really interesting rise. And I think we didn't have enough data when he came into the IndyCar series to kind of look at him and go, this is, you know, we know exactly what we're going to expect from this guy. We don't, you know, we know his level of preparation or how he approaches things or his attitude or what he does in certain situations, because we basically only had one year of him seeing him at that level. So I think that's one of the things that has made this season so interesting. And I think there's definitely been some you know, he will talk about, we'll talk to him in a minute and uh, I'm sure pit stops will, will come up. And uh, as much as he admits mistakes on his side, there's definitely been some, some troublesome pit stops from, from the coin side as well. I'm sure they'd be the, you know, the first to admit that that have cost them quite a lot of positions this year, but there was definitely some sort of turning point halfway through the year at the 500 where they spent basically every day together. And, you know, whether that was him in the engineering room or with the mechanics or, 
whatever it is, you know, kind of setting up a bit of a bit of camaraderie and 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 stuff like that. And you know, he's now he's basically raced his way into the silly season because either Ganassi or McLaren are going to be looking for a driver next season. Um, that those teams are going to have two choices to either go with a more established driver who potentially has been out of the series for a while, someone like Ryan Hunter-Ray, who's had a year off, or it's going to be a, a risky rookie, let's say, which is, you know, David definitely falls into that category. We've seen basically half a season of really top-level performance from him. Um, and whether he can replicate that over the course of a full season, the top team is is yet to be seen. But I think the fact that those teams are looking at him seriously, and I think, you know, one of the reasons why David's been potentially quite coy in the media over his future is because it genuinely does depend on, you know, what happens with, with Pelot and, and how that impacts things. So no one really knows, you know, what's going to happen yet, but he's, he's definitely said that he's willing to race outside of his, his dad's team. You know, his, his, his dad, Henry is, is, you know, has made no secret about the fact that he wants, you know, to, to have like a, a winning, a race winning team of his own in, in the future. And at the moment is obviously partnered with, with Dale Coyne, but, you know, David has said, you know, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but said, you know, he kind of knows at some point in the future they're going to they're going to have to part ways at some point, and he's going to have to race against his his dad's team. So it's not like a lunch stroll situation where, you know, we're committing we're committing David to wherever his dad is um, for for the future. So he he genuinely is. If you're listening to this and you you know maybe you're struggling to follow this silly season because to be honest, I am as well. I'm right there with you. That the fact that that David's dad is involved in this team is not necessarily a sign that he's not going to go anywhere. I think it depends a lot on what happens with with the Alex Pelot situation, but definitely a, a stellar second half of the season. Was the you know, JR, you, you've been incredibly successful on short ovals like Gateway and know what it takes to to really extract the maximum out of out of the car on on those types of, of circuits. Was there anything? I know he had the tires, that's obviously a given, but was there anything that you saw that really marked him out in this performance that, you know, there was anything particularly impressive about how he went about this and how he achieved the, the result in the end? I guess I think that it just comes down to, you know, in my experience, at least you end up needing to be able to do a couple of things to be able to really excel, even, even if you're, even if you're on better tires or, or whatever, and, and tires kind of help you for a period of time to do this, but you need to have, a degree of understanding for a gateway in particular, because you're, th- you're slowing down on both ends of the track and it's not, it's not as much of a momentum game just in ter- terms of your average speed at gateway. It's more like acceleration, deceleration, like at Iowa, there's a part of it that you're just trying to carry as much speed through the corners. Cause you're in the corners for a long period of time relative to how long you're on the straights. At Gateway, it's more the other way around as far as short ovals go, which is that you're doing a big, long acceleration between the two ends of the track. And so that changes a little bit of the, dyna- of the dynamic between what you're prioritizing in the car. And it basically ends up being like, you're just trying to, you're trying to extend the straightaway on both ends into the corner. So, you know, what, what struck me watching David and watching the guys as the, the drivers that could work their way through traffic, they were able to do two things really well. One was even with a car right in front of them, kind of bend in late and get underneath and get the run off. Um, it, it struck me that you had to be able to do that going to turn one, maybe because it cooled off. And so the like gearing and stuff was different. You had to be able to get them like right off the corner off of four. So that was the only way you saw passes get made down the front straight. Um, 
down the back straight because it's slower through one and two than it is through three and four. So you're going all the way up through the gears, just being able to get that to, you know, get the car angled right underneath the car in front of you, pick up the throttle early, be able to get that more immediate punch off the corner. Even if it was like not getting the initial throttle as soon, but just getting to full throttle earlier than the car in front of you, that was the difference maker there. And then having the confidence in a lot of these situations, you know, guys were blocking to the inside. So having the confidence then to just fire it in on the outside, you know, stay, stay on throttle long enough and have the confidence in the car that you're not going to end up either washing up or getting loose. I mean, even in qualifying, we saw a lot of guys and it's, it's more, more common that you see it in three in one and two, but kind of bending down to the apex in three and four, having moments there, like once they got past that, you know, it's like a third of the way through the corner. Once they got past the car, getting into a set there that at that point seemed like most cars just went to a little bit of understeer all the way to the exit. But, you know, in the race, when you've got varying fuel loads and the track is kind of changing, just having the confidence that you can push the car through that initial phase of the corner, maybe not on the line that you've been on up through that point in the race. Um, you know, and, and so it's the difference between for, for David, I think what, what particularly impressed me about watching him was just that it basically seemed like as soon as it was available to him to do those things better than the car in front of him, he just kind of immediately started doing them. Like it wasn't like he took, it took him 20 laps to build up to making some of those moves, um, which, you know, I can, I guess I, looking back to my it was it actually wasn't my rookie year. It was my second year in the series at Iowa with the DW12 in the first year that I had a bit of the same experience that it was just like, you just all of a sudden notice that you can kind of do something a little differently than the guys around you can. And it's just like, it is the most awesome feeling that you can have in race cars because you just feel like you're in full cheat code mode at that point. But um, it seemed like David was there and and just not every t- not everybody takes advantage of that. Even more seasoned drivers don't, you know, we're, we're, you're talking about new garden and Pato and guys like that as the other drivers that will just immediately click into that. I'm going to the front mode. Um, and so, so it was cool to see that from David and, uh, you know, definitely just all together an impressive weekend. It feels like he's thoughtful about where he's going. It feels like he's thoughtful about how he approaches the car. I think being at being at coin as opposed to being at a bigger team, you know, it's, I assume that that's less, a little bit less stress. You know, the environment is, is something that, um, you know, I think plays into that probably, but, but no doubt he's taking advantage of it and doing a great job. Before we move on, we've got a couple of quick questions that we had from Twitter, which we definitely will get into next week. We're just trying to crack through this episode because we've got an extremely uh, infectious, excited, um, just cool rookie on the on the other end of the line here after the break. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with David Lucas. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, here he is, David Malikas. Welcome to the Race IndyCar podcast for what I'm ashamed to say is actually, I think, your first appearance with us. So welcome. Thanks for joining us and taking the time after what was a pretty decent weekend for you. Have you, have you landed yet? Have you recovered? <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. It's uh, Thank you for having me. No, the uh, yeah, the race was, man, what a race that was. I'm still uh, still trying to like recover. I couldn't sleep the past two days from how, how excited I've been and every dream has been like different scenarios of how I maybe could have done things differently to maybe get like that one, you know, one more spot. But uh, no, it's been, uh, it's been an amazing two days, especially with all the support from the fans, from people that I've known since go-karting. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, for sure. I saw some, uh, some pictures of you kind of hugging the trophy and you, uh, you kind of belted it into the car with the, with the seatbelt and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I think you, did you even sleep with it or it was, there was definitely did, a picture yes. with it in your bed? <laughs> yeah, I slept with it. Yeah, which was actually kind of uncomfortable. Um, probably why I couldn't sleep the first night. <laughs> <laughs> give us a give us a window into your into your mind after after that result because there was I guess there was so much going on. There was Joseph Newgarden lending you his champagne and and you not being able to drink the champagne because you're not old enough yet. And then kind of had the moment in the press conference where you were like, I'm I'm sat next to Joseph Newgarden and and just kind of I, I guess. People maybe people who maybe don't know you so well got to see that kind of infectious enthusiasm that you you have. But yeah, I guess give us a window into your mind. Uh, you know what that felt like after the race, and did, did did it feel did it do you allow that to feel like a win for for that you know for the achievement that that you made there actually scoring your first IndyCar podium, or has it just made you you know even more determined to actually you know get that feat and and get that win? I guess. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I am a, I am an IndyCar fan. So it's, you know, I'm, when I'm sitting next to Newgarden or McLaughlin, I ended up pronouncing his name wrong. So I had to <laughs> f- fix that up. Uh, How did you say yeah, it? I said McLaughlin. Uh, so oh, he okay. says, yeah, so he says it's Locke. So then I was like, well, that makes sense. Penske care about details. So, <laughs> 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 um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, we definitely took that as a win you know the team and i they uh it was a great race i think from both parts it was good strategy and everything just went very well we had a really good car at the end of the day that was competing with penske's so yeah no, it was very emotional i mean i know a lot of people were, i was crying i know a lot of people were crying uh, thankfully i still had my helmet on though when uh, everybody was hugging so nobody could see my tears <laughs> and then uh, i wiped my face with the towel so it kind of just looked like i was you know just sweating so it was great um <laughs> Yeah, running through after that, you know, going to the podium. Well, right when the race finished, you know, I was like, this is so awesome. Great. Uh, what do I do? It's like, <laughs> I've, I've never been in this situation, so I didn't know what to do. Uh, so I remember Ross just told me to follow Newgarden round, and I was like, okay, that wasn't right. But we ended up figuring it out. Uh, and then going to the podium, I was nervous. I was like, man, I haven't done this in a while. There's a lot more people. There's bigger champagne bottles. So I looked at my bottle and I was like, it's just a Martinelli's. It's, just, it's a small little apple cider. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, thankfully, you know, I was able to just follow McLaughlin, whatever he did and got on the podium. And I think everything went smoothly. And uh, Newgarden actually gave me his uh, his champagne. 
very cool to give me the real stuff. And they actually talked about that at the press conference. And I was just, I didn't understand why they give me the apple cider, which just doesn't make any sense because I'm not, I'm spraying it at them. Right. And they're spraying the alcohol on me. So I'm <laughs> like, it, it makes no sense to, to give me the apple cider. Like, you know, I was like, we could just make some rule. You give me the real stuff and I can get a nice big, you know, champagne bottle, enjoy the moment. And then we'll just, I just won't drink it. You know, we'll just make a rule. Like it'll be fine. Um, so yeah, uh, but no, overall, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I tried being like formal and like answer questions at the press conference, but I just couldn't hold it together. I was, uh, it was, it was, I was living my dream. I'm sure everyone who was watching or listening or, or got to read some of your quotes after that will, will be happy with the fact that you didn't hold it all in and, and you did let it all out. Cause it's great to see that. Sometimes we don't see that human reaction from drivers and it is, it's really nice to see that from, from people, especially when you can tell that it means so much and that it's not you know it's it's very clear with you that it's not you know uh, forced or or anything like that it's just kind of just emerges doesn't it you know the, yeah. the kind of reaction to it what's um i guess we should kind of recap your season a little bit in the sense of um i guess it feels like this result maybe has been coming or or something you know some sort of breakthrough performance maybe that people really sort of sat up and take notice has been coming since maybe the 500 where you had a really good you know month of may there and, and some really strong performances through that through that month and I, I think that kind of put some people on notice that that you were you know really here in indycar and, and here to stay but since then you've really you know improved and, and and moved on since then and obviously that culminated in the in the podium last weekend so i, I guess what do you feel like you know, has kind of changed through the season that has allowed you to kind of access this performance now. You know, I think we spoke about this um, at, at the Indy Road Course. Obviously, the, the the 500 is a kind of month and, and something unusual in itself, but it, it kind of seemed to give you some momentum and, and you've kind of just hit the ground running since then. So so what are the reasons behind that, do you think? Yeah, you know, it's, it's since the, so the start of the season, it was, you know, I making rookie mistakes myself and just getting comfortable with everybody at the team. I don't really know what I want from the car, the team's trying to figure it out with me and trying to give me, you know, details. And so the first half of the season was a lot of just, you know, leeching off of Takuma's setup because I didn't really know what to say, which way to go, what feeling is what. Everything was new to me. So I let's just say my feedback was awful in the beginning of the season. Uh, but it kind of felt like in the month of May helped a lot. You know, the fact that I'm with the team every single day, I'm always with them. We're building these relationships, these connections. And on top of it, we're figuring out what I want from the car and what to tell the team. And I'm starting to, to know these, these feelings, these new things. And I think ever since the month of May, we finally got like going in the right direction to follow that path. Haven't really got off of it. And every time we go to a new track, we're starting with a better car of what I'm more familiar with and what we've worked on to, to get there. So every time we just keep getting that little bit better. And uh, I feel like that's just kind of what it's been. And with having a better car, my confidence increases and I can show the true performance of myself. I can show the performance of what the car can do. So all around just gets better. And having the relationship with Ross, my engineer, the spotter with Poncho, all that building up, it just, you end up getting this connection. And, you know, we start doing things like I'm singing on the radio and, you know, we just get really comfortable. And although like racing can be very stressful and intense at times, it's, uh, you know, we, we try to do our little jokes there and stuff and uh, congratulate each other on, on different moments. It's good. It definitely feels like, um, you know, not that not that Takuma, you know, wasn't welcoming when you first came into the team, but it definitely feels like he has kind of, you know, really accepted you as his equal almost and that you you can trial each other's setups, you know, the the feedback and stuff. You're happy to, 
take each other's opinions and and for someone to be able to do that with Takuma in their first season as as a rookie I think is a real kind of highlight of of what you've been able to achieve and I guess kind of building on that the the team itself you know I don't want to go too back too far back through through Dale Coyne's history but if we look at the kind of the recent rookies that that the team's had obviously the last year's champion um Roman Grosjean obviously another one so uh, I guess do you feel like the the team is kind of maybe it's not built around having rookies, but it's a place that rookies can really excel if you come into it with the right attitude. Yeah, I mean, going into it, that was one of the reasons why we chose Dilcoin Racing. Of course, it's 20 minutes down the street from me, so I'm always nearby. That's another thing that can really help when I make mistakes. Like at Nashville, I can come down and get some donuts and we still build a connection with the team. Uh, but yeah, the team is just so friendly. You know, I remember the first test we did at Barber, it was, I was so stressed, you know, it's, it's an indie car. I'm, I'm freaking out. It was like a dream of mine. And I, there's so much going through my head, what to do. I'm like the clutches on the steering wheel now, like how do I launch? And now we have an engine guy on just telling me all these different information I've never heard before. I'm like about to explode. And then at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the Dale coin just, just comes up to me and the mechanics are just, Hey, at the end of the day, it's just another car. Like we're, let's just, just go out there and have fun. And I feel like that's kind of been the mentality throughout this season that they just make me feel so comfortable with it. And they just, uh, they make me feel like I'm at home and that it's just, we're all just a bunch of good friends and, and family that just want to work on a car and make it and make it do well. So having that environment has definitely helped me get that confidence to make sure that that car needs to be where it needs to be. What's uh, What's been the biggest challenge for, for David Malukas, the rookie this season? What I guess a lot of the things you kind of would have predicted, I imagine like the, I guess the physicality of the series, you know, some of the hot races that we get through the year and, and stuff like that, that's all stuff that people have talked about before and and that you, I, I guess you can predict, maybe you can't always adapt perfectly to that, but you you kind of know about it. But what, what are the kind of things that you maybe didn't know at the start of the season that have really, um, you know, come to the fore now? Yeah, talk about physicality. The uh, there's, there's, <laughs> there's many. There's yeah, that's that's definitely the main one. That is, uh, IndyCar is a very tough car to drive, and there's little tricks that you always learn. Like on ovals, I ended up learning how to going down the straights to like let my hands rest. I ended up putting my elbow inside of the uh, inside my seat. You can, I kind of like lock it in there, and then it holds the steering wheel in place, and I can like let my hands recover massive help you know there's little things that you always like learn as a driver when you have time in the car like hmm, how can i like make this easier for myself uh so that was quite funny but the main thing that i'm still learning quite a bit is race strategy you know it's uh that's something with like indie lights that you never really get to learn there's no there's no pit stops the races aren't as long to have that reason for pit stops there's no fuel saving no tire saving there's a little bit of tire saving in indie lights but mainly the fuel saving and how to strategize your push to pass it's uh it's like, for me, it's just go, go, go. I need to gain positions. But realistically, you don't want to, it's kind of like, mm, do I really waste all this fuel and this push to pass to get this one pass when if we do a pit stop, he can just undercut or overcut me and I have to do it again. So it kind of comes down to how to strategize when to use it, when to not. And that's obviously just the only way I feel like you could build it is just by can just doing it over and over again and you just learn. Um, also driving behind a lot of veterans like Will Power. I remember at Barber, I learned so much from him. I remember I fell back a few positions on the start and I was like, man, this sucks. But then power got around me and I was just following his line, his fuel saving lines, how he like carries the momentum in, but like, you know, isn't on the break. And I was like, oh my God, this is actually amazing. Like I'm learning so much. And then Ross, the engine, my engineer is on the radio. He's like, wow, your fuel saving is like really good right now. And the speed's good. I was like, yeah, cause I got willpower in front. Like, I mean, I have a cheat sheet. This is amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> Hi, producer Johnny here, interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best, and that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable, and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the commuter collection, and I can tell they're going to be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The commuter collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Yeah, David, I think with respect to the race, I'm just curious, you know, you, you made, you obviously made progress throughout the race, but you know, towards the end, it really, you really came to life. And I'm just curious, you know, sometimes, yeah, I've, I've certainly been in, been in a position where the track changes a lot and, you know, suddenly you kind of start to feel it coming to you. I just want to know what was that experience like? And was that something that was kind of like the flip of a switch? that suddenly it was really there and you, that gave you that confidence. Um, cause not every, not every driver, even once they feel that, you know, really goes and assertively takes advantage of it. So I just want you to walk me through, like, what was that kind of experience like of feeling like, Oh, okay. You know, now I, now I got something to go play with and, and then going and doing it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, um, multiple, uh, different topics that kind of added onto it. And, uh, we mainly just started from the practice that we had the day before it was around that similar time when the sun was setting and I, the farther that session went, I mean, of course, everybody gets quicker, you know, when the track cools, but it seemed like we made a massive jump compared to everybody else. So we knew that the cooler the track got, the quicker we were going into the race day. And then once we had the red flag and that massive delay, you know, the whole team was started getting very excited. We all saw like kind of the stars aligning and the way we did the strategy is mainly just because at the end we had just clear roads. So we're like, well, we might as well just stay out. You know, the leaders are stuck behind traffic because it's kind of tough to pass that gateway. So, I mean, we have clear, let's just keep going. We're actually going quicker than the leaders. So we stayed out as long as possible. And when we pitted, it was like two laps before the red flag came out. So we had brand new tires compared to power and, and Pato. And they also had to do fuel saving, which we didn't. So uh, going into it, I was like, wow, we, I, we have a very good chance for at least third place here. And then, I mean, as soon as we went out, as soon as the green flag went, the car was just like, it was on rails. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is very good. <laughs> and I think we have a very good opportunity. And uh, once I, once I got around power and Pato, that's when I, I, you know, I saw the two Penske's in front and that's when the nerves started coming in and uh, Poncho was like, all right, you see them go get them. And yeah, we, we hunted them down so quickly, but the Penske's are tough to, to get that last little bit, you know, just to, to get a run, especially cause it was 
everybody was going so quick going into turn one, you're hitting the limiter before we even start finish line. So then you, you know, you just stop and you can't really get that much more. Uh, but thankfully we caught lap traffic. I was able to get that little bit more and get on McLaugh- McLaughlin. I actually pronounced his name wrong. I remember that, but, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> we just knew going into it that we, ha- we were going to have a good car. And once we did, I did one or two laps. I was like, yeah, this car is, uh, is on rails, especially watching, you know, Pato and, and power, you know, they were definitely a little bit more on the loose end than us. I was like, yeah, this is, the stars are aligning. I guess it's funny. You mentioned kind of, you know, racing against the the Penske's and even, I guess the, the Ganassi's to a certain extent as well. And, and being, you know, sat next to, to Joseph Newgarden and, and stuff like that as well. And I know you're, you know, your name is being talked about a lot more now when it comes to like the silly season and, and what might happen next. And, you know, I don't want to take away from what you've already discussed and what you're building with, with Dale Coyne, but just talk a little bit about, you know, as not just as a, an IndyCar rookie, but as a, a fan of the sport to be kind of, you know, mentioned in the same breadth as a team like Ganassi, McLaren or, or, or something like that. You know, what, what does that mean to you? Cause it's, yeah, I think it, if anything, it just shows how impactful your, your year has been at least. Uh, it means a lot, you know, going, you know, f- throughout my whole racing season, it's always been trying to get to, to IndyCar. That's kind of always been the goal. And so you work so hard to finally get to IndyCar, but then once you're there, you have a very stressful first year, at least for me, because I feel like you go into it and you need to prove that you can be there and you can stay there and be an IndyCar driver, you know? And so, especially with the way my season started, it was uh, not really going the direction I wanted it to. So the fact that, you know, we've, I've put in so much hard work. The team's put in so much hard work, my parents, everybody, just so much people into it. And the fact that now it's, you know, finally the results are coming in and it's showing there. It means so much to be put, you know, my name to be put with these, these people that I've, you know, watched on TV and like pretended to race against inside my house on like, you know, like a scooter (laughs) or something. It's it's, it's a crazy experience to me. The, The fact that now my name is being, you know, paired up side by side with, with these, these big names. It's, it means a lot. Where do you see, so you've got two more races, Portland, Laguna. Um, I guess the first question is, is how do you think about, you know, how do you think about your chances going into those two events? Um, you know, are, are, are you kind of in the, we'll show up and see where we roll off the truck or, or do you already have some kind of building confidence that you'll be able to show up at these places and, and be competitive like you have been for this last string? Well, I know uh, from last year with with Grosjean at Laguna, he was very impressive there and also did that very impressive pass on Johnson, which was a bit controversial. Pass, quote unquote, pass. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive with with respect to how that that they both made it beyond the Uh, the corner. Yeah, yeah, I think that pass uh, shows how uh, powerful (laughs) the IndyCar tanks are that you can uh, do some, some... some some bumping here and there, but uh, no, I think, I mean, yeah, he finished second there and they had a, a good strategy and a, and a good car. So I think we're also testing there on Monday. So I think we're going to have a bit of a, a learning curve there going into it. Uh, but Portland, a bit of an unknown. I think that's going to be kind of, we, we, once we get off the truck, we'll see where we're at. But, you know, I, I know that since the month of May, we've been having a car that I've liked more. Surprisingly, it's just, I'm trying to make it feel more like an Indy lights car. I don't know why that took me half a season to figure out. Um, but we've been building off of that car that I've liked and always unloading with a better car at each track. So I think going to Portland, there's a good chance, but uh, all I know is the rookie championship is going to be pretty uh, heated up on these, these last two races, just because I know the Ray Hall guys, they've managed to figure out their car with these recent races. So I know Lungard is going to be there. So it's, it's going to be a good, a uh, nice little battle between us for the last two. So I want to pick something out that you just said, you know, sort of working on, I was, I was going to ask 
just what 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 is something that has it seemed like something's clicked sort of since in the second half of the year you mentioned making it feel more like an Indy Lights car. So what is that entailed and and what in in your mind I haven't so I haven't driven this current Indy Lights car. Uh, maybe just walk us through what that's like and what the differences have been and and what you've been trying to get to. Yeah, so Indy Lights it's uh it's kind of one of those cars where to go left you need to go right. <laughs> I mean it's just so much on the oversteer end and that's the only way it's going to work. Uh and so when, in the beginning of the season, the IndyCar, it, to me, it was just obviously a much heavier car, uh, a lot of different feedback. And also with the, with different, just, there's so much, many different things that, you know, you have on, on the, the steering wheel that you have at your disposal. I don't know how much, what I can say. I don't know if Honda's going to get mad at me. <laughs> um, but, but let's just say there's a lot more tools that you need to learn. Yeah. If you, yeah, you yeah. got some tools there yeah. that you don't have in any lights car. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, it was kind of just learning what, what those can, can help and, and how I can, you know, give feedback back to Honda. Um, and just in the beginning, it just felt like the car was much more on the understeer side and I didn't really know what I wanted. And the team would ask me for feedback. And I was like, well, I don't know what this feeling is or what to tell you. I don't know what's quicker, what's not. And the month of May, we ended up I, you know, it was very helpful for me and the team because we were with each other every single day. So we, we managed to build the chemistry and I was able to try so many different things because we had so much testing. Of course, it's on an oval, a bit different, but we also had the NDGP. And I was finally able to realize, I was like, maybe, you know, it's like, why don't I just like make this thing feel like an Indy Lights car? I was like, let's just, can we make this thing just like, if I go into a corner, I'm just on the verge of spinning out. Let's just do that. Like, let's make the biggest change ever. And so like, okay, yeah, we can do that. And so we did that, which was, it was definitely overboard, but we managed to slowly work our way back from there. And it was just much better. And so it kind of just clicked. My confidence ended up going up and I was able to really show what, what the car has for store. And obviously because the more you push the car, the more you're on the limit, that's when you finally figure out the answers of what you need. You know, if, if you're under driving a corner you don't really know what you needed because you, you were under driving. So it's very different. And once you get the, the temperatures go up of the tires, you're pushing a lot more. So everything kind of just becomes very clear what you need. Cool. So I guess as a, as a follow-up looking ahead, we'll say for the sake of argument that you're, that you're staying put at Dalecoin racing. Um, what, uh, what do you think? I mean, I guess, what do you think the transition is into next year and what do you think you guys could achieve together? Well, it's, uh, there's a lot of things on the list, you know, that, that we need to improve. There's going to be a lot of work in the off season, uh, you know, from, from my end, I think it's going to be a lot of pit stop work, you know, cause that's going into the season. It's definitely gotten a lot better, especially from the start of the season. It was kind of a disaster for my end. <laughs> I've never done any sort of pit stop. So it's going to be working on, on trying to get that better. You know, the ins and outs, especially on ovals, a little bit nerve wracking, you know, you have to push the car as, as hard as you can leaving the pits, but your tires are freezing cold and you're sliding around. So, you know, that's, that's going to build up and uh, just making sure that I, you know, always on that Honda simulator, making sure that I know exactly what I need from the car. And I think from the team side, I know there's gonna be a lot of pit stop work. Um, you know, I feel like we've been a little bit on the, on the slower end, but we've already been getting a lot better having new camera angles, a lot more data, new heart rate monitors actually from all the, the, the pit crew. So we can see, you know, like, you know, if that is like involved with mistakes, so there's a lot of data going into it. We're, we're talking with a lot of different people. We're trying to build up on that because especially from my side, I really want to see Dale coin racing succeed, you know, being like a Chicago local to me is very cool. Like I already feel like I'm family there. And I know from both ends, everybody wants to, to, to make sure Dale coin can, can compete with these, these big name teams. 
How much comfort does that give you being with this team? Just like there, it's you're, there's sort of a hometown vibe all the way around. Yeah, especially for a rookie, you know, I think it's like the best scenario that you could ever want. I just feel so comfortable. Like I can, I feel like I can, I can make a mistake or do something, and then you know, it's like, hey, it's fine. You know, we're, you know, it's this is racing. That's what how it is. But like, let's say if I were to go to some big team like Ganassi or Penske, I would be afraid to like say anything or do anything. I, uh, you know, it's. My God, this is Ganassi. You don't have to be all careful and everything. So, with Dale, I feel like I could just be myself, be open, and I think it also goes from both ends. I, I'm I can be very, very honest with with what I want from the car and don't feel like I'm about to say something stupid. And then if I do, you know, it's just yeah, that was stupid, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it's awesome to have a, a rookie on the show again, and um, I guess let's give the listeners an opportunity to learn something a little bit more unusual about you. So, if there's one thing people might not know about David Lucas. What, what might that be? Oh, an unusual thing. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be unusual, but give it, give us something that the, you know, the guys listening at home might not, might not know about you. Something, something that isn't obvious. Um, I'm like, a okay. I mean, I'm, I don't know if it's like unknown, but I'm like a massive kind of like gamer nerd type thing. So it's like, I, uh, I definitely spend many, too many hours on my computer um, playing very, strategy nerdy games or like dungeons and dragons yeah okay like what we gotta, we gotta okay <laughs> like i i that definitely yeah. qualifies <laughs> yeah um yeah shout out to critical <laughs> role you know I, I watch their stuff um definitely on the the nerdy nerdy side of things um different strategy games like where can people Iron. can compete do you have a do you have a twitch channel no i don't i follow you I, while you're playing while you're gaming or are you just totally solo yeah. just doing it, do no, it for i yourself. don't do the streaming stuff yeah i i I can. Yeah, I, can I, I can't. That. I don't know. I can't really do the streaming stuff. I'm. I feel like I'd be a, a bit, a bit nerve wracking. I don't know. I feel like I want to be myself when I know there's a there's a camera while while I'm playing games. But just because you know when you get to games, you're so focused. But then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like you have to be careful with what you say and stuff. So I probably wouldn't do that. But yeah, I'm definitely in the the more realm of like strategy, uh, nerdy games, not like Call of Duty or like GTA. So. The thing I like as well, I know we spoke about this preseason, is that you you really represent Lithuania with your you know your kind of family family heritage as well. Tell, tell us briefly about that because it's uh, I think it's really cool that you you know maybe people see the flag when when you do stuff like especially when you are kind of like you know if you're on the podium or whatever and you have a flag and, and people might not necessarily know the story behind that. Yeah, of course. You know, I've always represented my my uh, Lithuanian roots. Although I was I was born here and I definitely represent as American. You know, my, my parents, they come from Lithuania. So I'm, and, you know, both of them grew up there and, and came over. So my blood is definitely Lithuanian and I've, I've been there multiple times and a lot of family and friends and it's a very close knit community. So it's very cool. Um, the flag that we were actually holding up um, as after the podium was a uh, Telshe flag, which is a, a local village inside Lithuania. And it's like kind of like a, a very like, good community. And that's where my parents grew up. So it was like a, a big deal for everybody over there. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I just, I love the connection that we have over there and, and everybody just, yeah, they're so enthusiastic about it. And, uh, Lithuanian community, it definitely goes strong. <laughs> awesome. Well, David Lucas, thanks so much for joining us on the race IndyCar podcast. David also co-hosts the pit lane poly podcast as well. So you can definitely check him out there more regularly kind of after the races and stuff like that as well. So thanks for joining us and hopefully we'll have you back on soon, maybe with, 
uh, an IndyCar Rookie of the Year title with uh, all, all being well for you. <laughs> yes, hopefully. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Although, with whichever way the Rookie Championship goes, I feel like every single rookie deserves it. I feel like the Rookie Championship has been very impressive from all the drivers. I was going to say, we'll, ha- we'll have you back on one way or the other, man. So Awesome. Thank you, guys. No extra pressure. You've raced with Christian in karting, right? So that's kind of like a, a, yes. a regurgitated battle. Yeah, actually, recently there's a picture that resurfaced from us that we, you know, we took a picture back in, I think it was like in 2016. So I, I, I think we should uh, remake that photo for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dave Lucas, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Race IndyCar Podcast. That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget, we've got Portland and the Guna Seca coming up to finish the season and all the news and features that you need you'll find on the-race.com. If there's anything about this podcast that you want to email us about, if you've got any questions, I'm sure David won't mind if I text him a few questions after the after the show, if we get some in from the listeners, you can email us podcasts, that's with an S at the end, at the-race.com. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Race IndyCar Podcast. Athletic.